The road we're on is paved in Garth. Come along on the journey. As we explore Garthology. Think of it more as a conversation. I like that. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation Hi guys, it's Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Garthology. We're so glad you've again made us a part of your 2021, and we thank you once more for joining our journey. Now let's get to it. In today's episode, we're going to take a closer look at the first six songs on Garth's fifth studio album, The Chase. We've skipped his fourth studio album, Beyond the Season. We'll cover that in December 2021. For now, we're jumping to the fifth record. The Chase was released on September 14, 1992 on Nashville-based Liberty Records. The Chase sold 403,000 copies in its first week and debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, his second time topping that pop chart. His first was Rope in the Wind. He also debuted at the Top Country Album chart. It knocked Billy Ray Cyrus's Some Gave All album out of the number one spot on the 200 chart after Billy Ray had stayed there for 17 weeks. And by the end of September 1992, Garth had five records in the top 50. The month-old Christmas collection, Beyond the Season, was at number five with 78,000 copies sold. No Fences was at number 15 with 41,000 copies. Rope in the Wind was number 18 with 39,000. And Garth Brooks at number 42 with 24,000 copies. The Chase has been certified Diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America. Diamond means that it sold 10 million copies. The Chase also reached number one on the UK country chart. And Garth has said that while making this album, there was a lot going on in his personal life. The birth of his first child, Taylor, traveling 250 to 300 days of the year, record renegotiations, remodeling his home. It was a lot. And he's also been quoted as saying that this was a very personal album. In the anthology part one, Garth says, the chase is the artist's voice for the first time. It's the first time that I think you really see the personality of the artist, the beliefs that are inside that person. So let's dive into this very personal album. Now let's hand it over to Jess to start us off with song number one. Okay, guys, song number one is We Shall Be Free. Walk proud. We shall be free. When we're free to love anyone we choose. When this world's big enough for all different views When we all can worship from our own kind of view Then we shall be free, yeah We shall be free We shall be free We Shall Be Free was written by Garth Brooks and Stephanie Davis, and we've talked about Stephanie before, back on No Fences. She wrote the song Wolves, so we're not going to go too in-depth with her. We're just going to go right into the song. So this was the first single off of The Chase, and it dropped on August 31st of 1992. Like Deb said, Garth's baby Taylor was born that year, and I think any parent will tell you that that makes you look at the world around you differently. And so the record and the song were very important to Garth at that time. He was in LA for the ACM Awards during the Rodney King trial when this song was kind of in the background of being written. And at that time, there were there was a lot of upheaval. So there were fires and riots and barricades. And just before he had left for that trip, he and Stephanie had been at the farm in Nashville, kind of sitting on a hillside, kicking around a song, and they didn't really know what they had yet. But then whenever he was in L.A. and all of that was going on with the Rodney King trial, he told the bus driver the night they were leaving town, just don't stop until we need gas. 
And when he woke up at the Grand Canyon, the first call he made was to Stephanie. And he was like, are you seeing what's going on in L.A.? And she told him, I'm way ahead of you. She already had a title worked out for the song that they'd been working on. And it was We Shall Be Free. So when Garth got back to town, they met on that hill again. And they started kicking it around. And basically with the idea of We Shall Be Free when that turned into when we're free to love anyone we choose, when the world's big enough for all different views. And that's where those ideas came from. And Stephanie was a little bit worried about that line, we're free to love anyone we choose, because in country music in 1992, that's a kind of an out there idea. But Garth said, that's how we feel, right? So that's what we're going to say. That's what we're going to put out there. And so they finished it really quickly. They recorded it the next day and it was on the radio in like a week. So it was very, very fast. And they were still making lyric changes and working out the chord progressions while he was actually in studio recording. So it was a lot going on with that song to just kind of get it out there in a timely manner because of everything that was going on in the world. And it was something that was just important to him to say. Garth from the beginning said he saw that big tent revival and like the choir in the background and stuff where Stephanie had had more of a kind of a folk vibe in mind. And he's quoted as saying, I wanted to be the voice of one person in this whole mess, one person standing beside you. And you do kind of get that from that song. There were pockets of resistance on conservative country radio, as you would expect at that time. And even the NFL kind of hemmed and hawed at the last minute about airing the video that they had promised to air because of just some of the things that the song had to say. And Garth sort of famously took his hat off and said, well, then I guess I won't be singing the national anthem then. And he put on his sweatpants and headed out the door and, you know, with every intention of leaving, if that's what it took. And of course, the NFL in the end gave in and the video did air as promised. But I don't think that was Garth like being a diva or anything. It was just him standing up for something he felt like was right. It was a message he wanted to get out there. And, you know, I think for him, he talks about the importance of a handshake and like your word and who you are. And to him, like they had made a promise and he'd made a promise and they needed to hold up their end and he would hold up his. And so it went the way that it was supposed to in the end. And later, Stephanie in the anthology book said that there were some threats that came his way on tour. And he kind of went out there every night and still sang that song just like, you know, like he would any other song and kind of gave it his all. And that made her braver watching him do that. And she said, you know, it really made it hit home to her that if you have something to say, you say it and you stand by it. But the song itself, it really makes me happy. It's a very uplifting song both the music and the lyrics. I love that it opens up with this ain't coming from no prophet, just an ordinary man, because it really is just his take on things that he wanted to put out in the world. And he had a platform to be able to do that. And he did. And I love the choir. I really do feel like I'm being taken to church every time I hear this song. I'm a believer in God. And whether you are or not, I think you can appreciate this song. It's for everyone. And that's what, in my opinion, people too often forget that God is God to all people, not just the ones you like or the ones you agree with. And that's what I take from this song. Love people, even if you consider them flawed or unrepentant, because we're all imperfect in some way. And I think that applies to every religion. You may not believe in the religion that I believe in, but pretty much across the board, everyone believes that their God created all people and therefore loves all people. And true freedom only exists, in my opinion, in that kind of divine, unconditional love. So when I listen to this song, I can't help but feel love and hope and connection to all the people in the world. How about you, Deb? What do you think about this song? Yeah, I love this song. I agree. I think that it's powerful. And I get that it was controversial at the time. I understand the reasons behind why it was controversial. However, I think that it's just a message of love from any perspective, no matter how you're looking at it. That's what should come across in this song. You mentioned the controversial video. I know that that got banned. Um, there were a lot of concerns about it. And actually, in 2002, Garth redid the video for it for the 10th anniversary. But there were some legal issues at the time, and he wasn't able to release the video. But in March of 2017, he was finally able to release it. And so he debuted it on his Studio G on Facebook on March 6, 2017. And the updated music video included footage from 9-11, and it included many of the same celebrity cameos 
but one of the celebrity additions to the new video was Trisha Yearwood. So I will post a link to the new video where he debuted it on Facebook. I will post that link on our website. Unfortunately, at the time that this song was released, its message of acceptance and inclusiveness was a hard sell with skittish radio programmers who maybe didn't support it, and so they failed to put it in a consistent rotation. So a quote from a Los Angeles Times article in October of 1992 stated, unlike Billboard's widely watched pop singles chart, which measures actual radio sales and airplay, the trade magazine's country chart is based solely on airplay. Radio station programmers select and play singles based on artist popularity, test marketing, and listener reaction. We Shall Be Free was heavily played initially, but airplay dropped off considerably in subsequent weeks. And because of that, Garth, before the song, had an unbroken streak of 13 top 10 country hits, nine of which were actually number ones. But because of that drop off, because the programmer stopped playing it, with this song, Garth's streak was broken and it failed to reach the top 10. So it was his first single in three years that fell short of being in the top 10, which also makes me sad because this song is deserving of not only top 10, but of number one. Oh, and I think it would be now 100%. Like if he had just dropped it today, it would have immediately gone straight to the top. I agree. And I think that represents a lot of the changes that we see in our society now. I think people are more accepting. Yeah. And so I think that definitely now it would reach number one. It's unfortunate that at the time it didn't. But another quote from that article, and this one was from Garth that I love. He said, tolerance is an important issue to me, just like we might today ask our grandparents how anyone could have ever judged a man by his skin. Our grandkids will say, how could anyone ever think someone's sexual preference affected how their minds work? Yeah, that really got to me, too. So I will also link to that article on our website. And then I also found one other additional thing. I found video of Trisha performing We Shall Be Free. Oh, and she's amazing by herself, by herself oh, wow. with a choir. But she's amazing doing it. Oh, I feel it. What was that for? I feel like maybe I did see that when it happened. It was on TV. I'm not sure what the show was, but I have a link to it from YouTube and I will post that as well. Oh, I'm going to go watch it again. And like she says in the video, we're going to turn this place into church right now. (laughs) So I will post that as well. Pete, what did you think? A lot of what I had written down and what I thought you guys had covered, which just shows uh, how much meaning there is behind the music. And obviously, as Garth fans, how maybe means the same, you know, to a lot of us. When I heard the song originally, and as I got to listen to it a little bit more and learn the lyrics of it, There just seems to be so much meaning behind every single lyric of the song. And today, and what's going on in our world, to me amazes me how a song written in 1992 still has so much of the same meaning of what's going on now in 2020, 2021. And it just shows that, like Garth always says, a good song and music will always stand the test of time. And this song, I think, is a very, very big explanation point on that saying alone. I love the story, what Jess had mentioned about, you know, whether they were going to put some lyrics into the song. And Garth had said, absolutely, if that's what our beliefs are, then yeah, it's going to go in. That's what we believe. That's what we feel. It's going to go in the song. And the fact that he stood up to the NFL and he was ready to walk out, you know, without doing the national anthem. I mean, you know, anybody who loves their country, and we know that Garth does, that'd be a tall task to have to stand up and walk away from singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Yeah. But again, it goes back to Garth showing that if you believe in something, you got to stand up for it. And I think that there's a lot of that meaning in this song. One of my favorites, always, always one you turn up a little bit louder. When I hear it, I always, I always get goosebumps when I hear it, you know, especially when times aren't always great, I guess you could say when, you know, when there's news, it's a song that touches a little closer to home. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, guys, I think that ties it up for that first song. So we are going to pass it over to Deb for song number two. Song number two is Somewhere Other Than the Night. Up in a blanket on the front porch swing Come to realize he'd neglected certain things And there are times she feels alone even by his side It was the first time she ever saw him cry She's needed and she needs to be held tight somewhere other than the night. This song was written by Garth Brooks and Kent Blasey. If you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you've already learned a lot about Kent Blasey. He and Garth have written multiple songs together, and we here at Garthology are huge Kent Blasey fans, so we often talk about him. After spending an afternoon throwing the frisbee for Kent's dog and discussing life in general, they sat down and wrote Somewhere Other Than the Night. With this song, Garth and Kent again reached number one when it was released as the second single from The Chase. This was Garth's 10th number one hit. In the same Los Angeles Times article I mentioned before, there was a quote that provided insight into how We Shall Be Free may actually have helped Somewhere Other Than the Night reach number one. The quote states, Garth is so popular that radio had to play him. But what many stations ended up doing was simply turning to other songs on the album instead of We Shall Be Free, especially Somewhere Other Than the Night. Garth has been quoted as saying that Somewhere Other Than the Night was his mom and dad's song, which makes it really special to him. It's a memorable song about how important it is for people to take time from their busy schedules to show someone you love them even when life has gotten in the way. It's a reminder to stay connected to each other and not take the other person for granted. To me, the saddest lyric in the song is when the woman tells her man that she feels neglected, and she says there are times she feels alone even by his side. It was the first time she ever saw him cry. That line just tears at my heart. To be with someone and feel alone has got to be worse than just being alone. After hearing a story on the Oprah show about a woman greeting her man while naked and wrapped in cellophane, Kent came up with one of the most well-known lyrics in the song, which is, but she'd been waiting for this day for oh so long. She was standing in the kitchen with nothing but her apron on. And in disbelief, he stood and he stared a while. When their eyes met, they both began to smile. Kent Blasey has told the story that because of that line, one main thing he can say about this song is, It supposedly helps to sell aprons, which I think is hilarious. That's great. That's awesome. This song has beautiful music with strong strings and piano, and Garth's vocal brings this woman's sadness to life. So Pete and Jess, what are your thoughts on it? I also, in the anthology, saw that they were writing with Kent Blasey and throwing the frisbee with his dog Sophie, who was a black lab. You guys know me. I love Labradors. Got one myself. So that really caught my eye there. Made me love Kent Blasey just a little bit more. (laughs) But while doing research on this song, the lyrics really hit home to me because it does tell a story that, in my opinion, although not always one that is in the forefront, I do honestly believe that wives and moms have the hardest job in the world. I found that I've taken that for granted in listening to the lyrics with my wife. She works hard in our house and the kids, the things that she does for me and keeping the house a home. The song is a great reminder that you do need to tell that someone that you love in your life, that you love them often and always, not just when it's expected. And with the lyrics to the song, the way that it was written, the story that it tells, it was just a good reminder for me. It wasn't a song that I had on my playlist, but one I always knew the lyrics to. And when I listened to it, I didn't want to get to the next song. I just wanted to keep replaying and replaying and replaying the song. I really enjoyed it. Again, just a real great reminder for me uh, while doing the research on this one. How about you, Jess? 
this is such a great song. I love so many things about it. Musically, I love that in the first verse, there's kind of these really prominent acoustic guitar notes and they fall in between the breaks in the lines. So it almost sounds just like it's Garth and the guitar. And I like how it's a very intimate sound, which kind of lends itself to the the intimacy of the song because it's just about these two people. I love how it builds to the one big chorus after the line. It was the first time she ever saw him cry. And then it like booms into that chorus again. And I love that part. Uh, It's such a powerful picture. It's just a human and relatable story like so many of Garth's songs. And I think kind of like you guys said, it's just about these two people who love each other. But I think they've just been together long enough to take each other for granted. And it's not that they don't love each other. They just don't think about it every day anymore. And it's just their journey of realizing that and reaching out and kind of making amends to each other. It's an interesting juxtaposition because it's very relatable, the song, but at the same time, because it's so intimate, it seems very private and just between these two people. So it's like you're you're getting kind of a peek behind the curtain into something that maybe you shouldn't also at the same time. But But I like that. It makes it very real. And so this is actually one of my favorite songs. I really like this one. Yeah, me too. I love it. It's so good. Okay, now let's go check in with Pete for song number three. Song number three off the album is Mr. Right. Be my wife, I would love you all my life. I do everything your precious heart allows. We could make love all night long and in the morning, not be gone. I'm Mr. Right, or Mr. Right now. Yeah, it may be a mean fish out in that ocean. So you must find one that's right for you somehow. Well, it's up to you, I'm here for years Till the nighttime disappears Mr. Right, oh, Mr. Right Mr. Right was written by Garth Brooks and was never released as a single off the record. In the anthology, Garth talks about this song being one that they originally had written back in Stillwater, Oklahoma and how he thought that they would still have that original recording somewhere and quite honestly that would that would be one I would love 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 to hear he talks about how it has that swing sound to it and it really does i was very interested to learn how garth feels about different swing sounds from different states he says that western swings are like dialects with accents he says that you could tell the difference between different state swing sounds but oklahoma has fewer chord variations moves faster and depends a lot on the harmony of the song. And between the sounds of the variation and the harmony of the song, that's how you come up with the different sounds in the swing. The song is about a man pleading to a woman that he is her Mr. Right. He makes it clear that he is okay with being her Mr. Right or her Mr. Right now. He will accept it forever or for just right now. I love the little pause and the giggle at the 1 minute and 24 second mark. It's a perfect little pause and continue to the finish of the song. I really like the lyrics and how it all reverts back to, listen, here's the deal. I'm interested in being your Mr. Right for forever, but if it has to be okay with you that I'm just your Mr. Right right now, then he would settle for that as well. It was a cool, fun, upbeat song. I thought it was cool lyrics that kind of, you know, all told a little bit of a story in a real fast-paced way. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought this was a fun one. Wasn't I wasn't really, really familiar with it. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. What do you think, Jess? Same. I didn't know this one as well, but but here's my thoughts on it. It's a pretty short song, but it's really fun and upbeat. And I had said like it's a swing style music, which you talked about. And I actually didn't know about the different styles of swing, but that's really interesting to me that he can kind of I probably couldn't hear it, but I love that he can pick it out state by state, that there's things that he can hear musically. That's really interesting. I just think it would be really fun to dance to. And I can imagine people being disappointed when the song ends because it is just a quick song and then it's done. And I can just see them having a really good time out there and then being kind of bummed when it's over. And I do like that it's kind of a fun little, he's saying basically, hey, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with and I'll be the one or just the one you're with. It's silly and cheeky and flirty and lighthearted, and I like that. Sometimes you just want something fun to listen to in the background to kind of have a good time and a chuckle with. 
And speaking of the chuckle, I loved that too. Like the little part at the end where he kind of laughs and is like, you guys, and then goes on from the middle of the song. I don't actually remember. I'm sure I've heard this song, but even playing it, I wasn't like, oh, this is familiar. And I just haven't heard it in a while. It was kind of like listening to something I'd never heard before, even though it's in the middle of an album that I know. So I'm positive I have listened to it before. But how about you, Deb? What'd you think? So I'm actually different than you guys. This is one of my favorite songs from this album. So I know it and I love it. I think it's great. Like you guys, I love the part in the middle at the 122 when Garth ad-libs the you guys. That just cracks me up. I love that he kind of broke that, I don't know, fourth wall in Mm -hmm. recording and just kind of stepped out of it and did that. That makes me laugh every time. I think that it's fast and it's fun. For me, it's like a country meets big band sound, which I know, Jess, you're not a huge big band fan. I grew up listening to it because of my dad. So I do like it very much. Mm -hmm. And so I like that this is that way. I like that it's got lots of instruments. It moves really fast. I like the cute turn of phrase, the Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now. I like how the music changes at the end. And then he also changes that last verse. And instead of Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now, the verse is changed to I'm Mr. Right Forever or Just Until Whenever. Mm -hmm. I just think it's cute and it's fun and it's fast. And it actually makes me want to learn how to do a (laughs) two-step. Whenever I hear this song, I'm like, I want to learn how to do a two-step. So yeah, no, I love this song. I think it's great. Yeah, you'd think with the, uh, you know, people two-stepping, that's one of those that uh, Garth always says, you know, if they'll pack the floors, they'll keep calling you back. That I imagine that's one that could pack a floor pretty quick. So. Yeah, it would have packed yeah. me. I would have been on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> if I knew how to dance, wouldn't fall on my face. I'd probably be out there with you, but <laughs> there's just no hope there. All right, let's head over to Jess for song number four. All right, guys. Song number four is Every Now and Then. I love my life. And I'd never trade between what you and me had in the life I've made. She's here and she's real, but you were too. And every once in a while I think about you. I heard a song on the radio just yesterday. Every Now and Then was written by Garth Brooks and Buddy Monlock. And Buddy's had his songs recorded by other notable singer-songwriters, including Guy Clark, Nancy Griffith, and Janice Ian. But how I heard of Buddy Monlock is years ago, there was a primetime country interview with Garth and he, well, with Garth and Trisha, actually. And he told a story about Trisha bringing this wild crowd down to just silence and the edge of their seats. And he said the only other artist he'd seen do that is a songwriter from Nashville named Buddy Monlock. So when I read the name, that immediately like sparked in my mind that I had heard of this guy before. And they've kind of been around for ages since the very beginning together, because when Bob Doyle retired from ASCAP and started his own publishing company, when he approached Garth, he said, I have you and one other writer, a guy named Buddy Monlock. And so Buddy and Garth were new to town around the same time. So back when Garth was still working at the boot store, he wrote a poem one day at work, I guess when it was slow about a past relationship and he had called Buddy and read him the verses over the phone and then Buddy wrote the music and added the bridge and Garth said in the end he was really happy with what he got back from him and they ended up with just one of these great story songs. The song itself kind of reminds me of what she's doing now because it's about a man wondering about a woman from his past who was obviously really important to him once upon a time and he's admitting that he does think about her every now and then as the refrain goes. And the line says, she's here and she's real. Oh, but you were too. I love that. And it kind of pays homage to the significance of this past relationship. And, you know, their lives moved on in different directions, but it doesn't lessen what these two people had or what they were to each other. She's still important to him, despite how things turned out between them. And there's something very beautiful and profound about that. There's this cool kind of inception moment where he sings the line, I heard a song on the radio just the other day. And it made me think someone's listening to this song about hearing a song causing you to remember someone. And at the same moment, it's causing them to remember someone. There's sort of a shared experience there between the singer and the listener, which I find really cool. And then there's another line that says, 
been laying here all night listening to the rain, talking to my heart, trying to explain why sometimes I catch myself wondering what might have been. So there's this struggle where this man is trying to reason with himself or come to terms with why this woman is still so important to him after all this time. And you get the feeling that he's torn, like he's trying to justify that connection that he still feels even to himself. And then the music, if you listen, there's this, I think it might be a snare drum. I'm I'm not great enough with music to pick it out perfectly, but I think it's a snare drum with maybe like the little brush stick in the background. But if you listen, it sounds like grains of sand falling in an hourglass, which was interesting to me because it's like time ticking away while he's laying there wrestling with his thoughts. And you just picture somebody being up going over and over something in their mind. And so it's just a very evocative song. It makes me sad as the listener for what might have been or kind of nostalgic for what might have been for this person. And I think in general, you can be happy with where you are and still wonder about what might have happened if life had taken you down a different path. Not necessarily to wish life had gone differently, but to just wonder about the possibility or a different life in a nostalgic kind of way. And I think that's just human nature. I don't think it's wishing away what you have. It's just looking at the possibilities of your life. But I really love this one. Is it a song you can skip by on the album or when you listen to every time? Oh, I listen to it every single time. This is a great song. (laughs) I love the lyrics. I think it's got such a sweet sentiment. And I think what you said about the lyrics here, it's perfect. It sums it up perfectly. So I think what I will look at now is the music. So for me, if you just stop and listen to the music in this one, truly the layers on it are sublime. Like it's light and airy when it needs to be, but it's also strong guitar and strong piano, like weaving in and out exactly when the time is right. And I think that Garth provides a really tender vocal performance, but there's actually times in the recording where I wish that Garth was a little stronger and a little more forceful because I think it would fit the music better in those certain parts. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I think of when I'm listening to it. I'm paying more attention to the music of it. But the sentiment in the song is beautiful and it it just touches my heart every time. But the music for me, I love the music in this song. Yeah. How about you, Pete? Yeah, I think that the lyrics are what you hear. The music, like you guys say, the background music is, I think that that's really what glues the song together. I can't wait to go back and listen to what you were saying, Jess, about the sand through the hourglass, because like if I can put my mind, I mean, that could that could be a complete game changer more. It could just up that game a little bit more with the music and the song. But, you know, Jess, you had mentioned a lyric that kind of caught your ear. One that caught my ear is when he sings, I love my life and I would never trade between what you and me had and the life that I've made. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Like when that lyric comes in, like that's the one that just kept catching my ear. That lyric, it just kind of gets the ball rolling on the song. I love how it references that there are so many things that remind him of this past woman, but he is always reverted back to where he is in that moment, even though that he does think about her every now and then. And the way that the lyrics, and we say it so many times, tell an entire story from the beginning to the middle to the end. Again, like always, it just paints that pictures. But like you guys were saying, The music and the lyrics to the song is definitely one that I listen to all of the time. Again, while doing research, there was a couple songs like I didn't realize and remember how many songs on the chase that caught my ear. But just in the first half of this album that we're doing, there was two that I couldn't get past. Then this was the second one. It just uh, I really, really enjoy this song a lot. It's interesting that you picked out the line, I love my life and I'd never change because there was a part in the anthology that I read and kind of skipped over and and just it didn't put it in with my research because, you know, we can't talk about every single thing about everything. Sure. But that line initially said, I love my wife and I'd never change. And it was brought to Garth's attention that it would be more universal to say, I love my life because then it can kind of go for anybody instead of just for a man. And so they changed the lyric. But it, I just thought yeah. of it whenever you talked about that line. When I was putting that down, obviously going through the anthology, and I saw that it said, and I was like, 
you know, with Jess, that's probably something that she'll research and bring up. So I'm not going to go to that. I'll just <laughs> yeah. put it in into the lyrics of the song, and then that's why. So yeah, yeah. that was a good catch. That's so funny that that I thought that you would have grabbed that. So that's so funny. All right, guys. Well, I think that wraps up that song. So we are going to pass it on to Deb for song number five. Yes, I have song number five, and it is "Walking After Midnight." Walking After Midnight was written by Alan Block and Don Heck. The original release was sung by country legend Patsy Cline in 1957 and is considered by many to be one of the all-time greatest songs in country music. As I've mentioned in the past, I grew up listening to old country music with my dad, and Patsy Cline was and still is my dad's all-time favorite female singer. So I was literally raised on the original version of this song. Plus, I am so drawn to the original that it's pretty difficult for me to enjoy any other version, and I will approach any other version with very much trepidation. However, I will give Garth props. His version sticks really closely to the original in the way that he vocalizes it, so I like that. There's a quote from Garth in the anthology that he thought this song transferred over to a male singer well because, as he describes, Patsy had maybe the strongest female voice that I've ever heard in my life and that it's thick chocolate milk, just velvety with muscle and strength, and that another voice like that to him is Trisha's. That description fits Patsy perfectly to me also. He also talks about his mom singing with Patsy at the Louisiana Hayride and that this is his mom's kind of music. So that makes me happy to know that I love a song that she loved also. Like Jess, you've mentioned before Mm -hmm. that you have that connection with Garth. I'm like, oh, I love that. (laughs) I feel the same way. So I appreciate Garth's vocal performance here, and I actually like the musical arrangement in his version better than the original, surprisingly. It's an updated sound, and yet it still pays tribute to the original music. So I appreciate his respect for this classic song. Pete and Jess, did you guys already know this classic? So I think that it's definitely a song that if you listen to country music, you're going to hear it. And that was why I heard it. It isn't one that was on my playlist. Um, it, it was one that I struggled with listening to and really finding myself getting into, maybe because the song, the original was, you know, from a, a time that obviously was maybe before my time, uh, a little older, I guess. But I did give it on a shake. And my motivation was that unbelievably beautiful photo of Garth's mom in the anthology. Like I saw that while I was doing research on it. And I was like, okay, Pete, get your head into this one and listen to it. So I went back and I listened to Patsy Cline. And then I was like, okay, it was an older version sound, but holy moly, that woman could sing. And then I thought, well, you know, how is Garth going to pull this off in a male voice? And I listened to it, and Deb, like you were saying, I thought that he did really do a good job. It definitely isn't one of my all-time favorites, but uh, I thought that he did good. The original was the one that I knew, and I don't know, like when I listen to it and I think about the lyrics, like right now talking about it, I always go back to the original Patsy Cline. I can't get Garth's version in my head for some reason. Maybe it's just a Patsy Cline song forever, so that's my (laughs) thoughts on it. Yeah. Of course, I knew this song because, again, like you said, if if you've ever listened to country music or probably any music, you've heard this song at some point. It's not my favorite. And like Pete said, I think some of that just because it's before my time. And so it wasn't even something that was ever playing on the radio for me regularly. But I recognize that it's a classic and the brilliance of Patsy Cline. And I think Garth does a phenomenal job with it. I think the big thing for me why I don't especially click with it is more the music than the song itself because 
I love a song with an emotional kick. Best of all, they stay with me and kind of I just like really listen to it and go over it and over it. And even though the lyrics on this one are about, in Garth's case, a guy or a girl, if it was a Patsy Cline version, but kind of pining over someone, the music itself is pretty upbeat. And so it kind of it doesn't have that that kind of sad, downtrodden feeling that I feel like the lyrics would have, you know. So it's a great song, but I don't really connect with it that much. I know that this was a very personal record for Garth, though, so I fully respect his song choice. And I'm glad that he put the songs that he wanted on this album. I know you said in the beginning and I've read in research like this was a really important album for him and he put his heart into it. And so I love that. I'm I'm glad it was on there for that reason. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm glad he put it on there. Like I said, I'll always love the original, mm-hmm. but I appreciate that it meant something to him. And this was a personal album for him. Yeah. So I appreciate the reason why he put it on here. Yeah, you got to think that the fact that his mom sang it with Patsy was, you know, was that, oh, that yeah. had uh, been a big, big part of that emotional that bond between Garth and the song. So. Yeah. Okay, so let's send it over to Pete for the final song in today's podcast. Yep, song number six off the album was Dixie Chicken. Dixie Chicken was written by Lowell George and Martin Kibbe, and I hope I got that right, but I think that's right. It was never released as a single for Garth, and it was originally released by Little Feet in 1973. I didn't go back and listen to the original. I just stuck with the Garth, and one thing that I loved about it was how very gritty Garth's voice gets in this song, and he's able to get it real, real gritty like we talk about he's able to do, and then he brings it back you know, to normal Garth's song. I'll get to the lyrics in a second, but one thing on this thing that just completely caught my mind in this song, and then I heard it, you know, in other songs, the yodel at the 207 mark is awesome. (laughs) You hear somebody yodel and you don't realize how awesome yodeling is. And so while I was going back through and doing the research on it, I thought to myself, okay, there ain't nobody around. I'll try to yodel. I probably shouldn't do it, but it's a lot of fun to try. So in the anthology, Alan Reynolds, he talks about how Garth always thinks about the live shows and how he felt that Garth knew that this song was a good sing-along song with the crowds at the live shows. And so in the anthology, as you read a little bit longer and further into it, Garth does in fact say that he did feel like it was a great sing-along song and that it was a great song for the band. Garth has always been one to really, really include the band in a lot of what he does. I mean, you know, in any awards, it's always, it's not just him. It's always him and the band and the people who set up the stages. And so he said that this song, there was just something to it where the band, it took to the song like ducks take to water. And I thought that that was really cool that this one song was able to grab everybody's attention and bring everybody to it. In the lyrics, Okay, so the lyrics on this one, I'm going to be honest, I struggled a little bit. I listened to them, and I read them, and I read the story in them, and I tried to come up with an answer. Now, we did this a long time ago with another (laughs) song, Back and Forth, so hopefully it doesn't take up that much time. But, and I could be completely wrong here, so you guys let me know if I am. In the song, it sounds to me like he meets this woman in Memphis at a hotel, right? And then from there, they hang out, and long story short she ends up showing him a great time gets them all liquored up does he end up buying her some house on some riverbank somewhere and then bails a year later that's not what i take from it (laughs) no that's exactly and then all of a sudden the next thing i know i'm like what is going on here so he's sitting back at that same hotel somewhere with a bartender that gives him a drink and then the bartender starts singing that song Going back to that, at some point, she starts singing this tune in Dixieland, right? 
So then the bartender and then the entire bar starts singing it. And it made it sound to me like this woman was a lot of trouble with a lot of dudes in this town. Well, I mean, that part I think is true. I don't think she was trouble with those men. Yeah. I think you're thinking of it literally. I don't know what the politically correct word is here, but right. Not trouble. Okay. Maybe she was a good time with a lot of these men, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, and I thought, and I'm like, "Eh?" and I thought, well, listen, if that is correct, what a, in a not so explicit uh, lyrical way, what a great story, you know, what a very (laughs) explicit story, I guess. But yeah, I really struggled to understand fully the lyrics in the song, but it does have a very, very fun, upbeat tempo to it. So it will catch your ear and it does get you drawn into it. It's a little bit on the longer side lyric wise, but it's not a very long song to get from point A to point B or to the end, I guess you could say, but uh, that's what I got from it. So I don't know if that's what it was, but that's what I took from it. I I mean, I think sort of, yeah. I, in like a, in a, in a less literal sense. Yeah. That's it. You got to the point in the end of it, but I know I say this all the time, but I really love this song so much. It's fun and it's funny. Like it's really funny if you listen to what's happening in the song. And of course, the harmonies between he and Trisha are ridiculous, like always. There's a lot of sliding up and down on those notes. And the first time I heard this song, I just, which was actually years later, like I got this album and kind of, I couldn't tell you exactly when, but it was when I already was pretty familiar with Garth. This was one of the later albums I got. And since this wasn't a song that I had heard on the radio, it was new to me. And I loved this song immediately and just listened to it over and over again. I bet he and Trisha had so much fun recording this one, and I would love to see them do it live now because it's just, and it's bluesy and it's got like the steel guitar and the fiddle and it sounds so Southern, which, you know, the song itself sounds very Southern. They're Dixieland. My my takeaway at the end of the song is just that girl got around. Yes. Everybody knew her song in the end, you know? Yeah. I mean, when she's saying, you'll be my Dixie chicken, I'll be your Tennessee hen, everybody had heard that song before, right? you know? So yeah, I yeah. think if if you don't think of it in a literal sense, but just like, yeah, that's what I got from it is, you know, he had a good time with her, but then in the end, he didn't realize early, but in the end, he realized everybody else had had a good time with that girl too. Yeah. But, uh, but I love it. What do you think of it, Deb? Yeah. So that was my takeaway from that song as well, is the reason all those men knew the rest of that song is because <laughs> she taught it to them. <laughs> yeah. So I I love this song. I think it's cool and it's funky and it really sticks in your head after you hear it. Wouldn't you love to see him sing it live now, though? I actually have that in my notes. Yes, I want to hear them sing. I want to hear Garth and Trisha do a duet of this song. I think that would be great. And I think it would be so much fun. And I think they should do that on one of their Facebook lives. Or like if they do another CBS special, it'd be great. Yes, I would love that. Because I didn't know the original by Little Feet, so I only know Garth's version. And I listened to the original in doing the research for the podcast. How was that? Oh, no. 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 Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, God bless Little Feet. But (laughs) Garth's version is great. It's better. It's just better. It's The music is funkier. It's slick with that fiddle and the lap slide and Trisha's harmonies are turned way up, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I'm going to love that. So, yeah, this song, it's better. This recording is (laughs) so much better. (laughs) Did they yodel in the original? Yes, but it's just different. It's just different. This is just better. Well done, Garth and Trisha. That's what I say on this one. Yeah, that uh, that was a fun one. Yeah. That will wrap it up for that song. Yes, it does. That wraps up the first six songs of Garth's fifth album, The Chase. Don't forget, as we mentioned in our last podcast of 2020, we're going to start releasing episodes each month on the 7th, the 17th, and the 27th. So be sure and download our next episode on January 27th. Now on to breaking news. News. If you listen to other Garthology episodes, you have probably heard us mention Tony Arada. He has written songs for Garth, for Trisha, Patty Loveless, Emmylou Harris, and more. On January 29th, he will be doing a live online show from Nashville that benefits the Riley Children's Foundation of Indianapolis, Indiana. 
It will be an incredible night of live music and stories from Nashville, hosted by Stormy Warren and featured on the American Songwriters site to benefit this worthy charity. So be sure and check it out. Hey, Pete, you got any shout outs for us? Shout outs. We do have a shout out this week, and it goes to Sissy Haynes. She shared our giveaway and wrote a very nice passage on the share that she wasn't one for podcasts, but she thanked us for the show and introducing her and getting her into listening to podcasts. But we want to turn around and say thanks. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We're happy we could help you get there. We really appreciate the support. Thank you so much, Sissy. Thanks, Sissy. Be sure and visit our website at garthology.com and leave a comment on our blog page. You can also submit a show idea on the show idea page. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the website. And remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review us on your podcast platform of choice. And share us with your friends in low places. Talking about friends in low places, you can also find us on all of our social media pages. If you are on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com backslash GarthologyCast. And if you like to use Instagram and Twitter, we are at GarthologyCast there. When you are on those pages, if you could take the time to interact with us, leave comments, like, tweet, or retweet, and share with your friends, we really appreciate the support. And don't miss our next episode of Garthology, where we'll be sharing our research as well as our thoughts and feelings on the second half of this classic Garth album, The Chase Part 2, coming to your podcast platform of choice on January 27th. Until then, this has been Season 2, Episode 2 of Garthology, and I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. This has been episode, no, I guess that part out, but not on the other one. Two? This season has two, been season two? two, episode two of oh, Garthology. We're muted. And Can I'm you hear Deb. That? I'm Pete. Jess, are you gone? Hang on. I'm back. It says my internet connection's unstable, so it's me. Oh. But for a second, like, Pete wasn't moving and Deb was talking, but there was no sound. And I was like, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> Damn you, 2021. don't you start this shit with us 2021 right yeah i was totally laughing because i got and this has been episode and i was like (laughs) two (laughs) like deb did her thing and i said pete and then usually there's a little delay for jess and i'm looking and you're looking at us i'm looking i'm like jess jess that's your next jess i know and i was like pete do you hear deb because she's talking and i don't have sound i'm sure the audio on that is hysterical because the video was not coming together at all i looked at my microphone because i was like oh my god did i push the move button but it wasn't blinking so i'm like i'm not muted yeah, and right as I was like, what's happening? Then it popped up on my screen. Your internet connection's unstable. And I was like, oh, no, it's me. Just kidding. Like, I said Pete, and then I'm waiting. And then Deb looks at me, and I'm like, I'm going to blame it on Jess. <laughs> Jess, are you there? And then Deb's all, yeah, Jess, are you there? I'm like, oh, thank God it wasn't me. <laughs> it was <laughs> totally me this time. It was finally Jess. It wasn't me. It was my internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>